I always go back to this this phrase from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, don't let your ego get in the way of your business. And I know what he means and I know what that phrase means now because once you get this following, it would be easy to fall in love with the idea of, oh, the, all these people are watching or this picture got a lot of likes. But that can't be the mission, right? To get the most likes or, you know, for everyone to like every video I put out. That's not a good goal to have. I don't always take the best images in the world from my backyard. Things happen, stuff comes up, I make mistakes. But I share those photos because it's an important ending to that story. Trevor Jones, a.k.a. Astro Backyard, sat down with Dustin last week on a recent trip to OPT in California. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. All right, so Trevor, welcome to... California. Well, thanks for having me. This is a uh, first time here. First time here. First time on the West Coast. Uh, it's like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no other place on earth. I can tell you like I've, I've been feel like everywhere, man. And every time I go anywhere now, I want to get back here. This yeah, is, this I is. understand that. <laughs> it's it's because I left Canada in February too, which is like notoriously the worst month of the year. So uh, it was a bit of a shock to come here and just experience the sun and the warmth and everybody's happy. Yeah. Well, it's hard not to be when you walk outside and it's like 70 degrees and... Nothing to complain about. Right. Yeah. And the landscapes don't, they don't hurt anything being able to see the Pacific Ocean and, and all of that. But Adds to it. It all comes together. Most importantly, it's a good place for astronomy, and that's why you're here, right? Because you have become Mr. Astronomy. Yeah, that's what they call me, Mr. Astronomy. <laughs> on YouTube, for sure. So, look, I've got, ah, God, let me put a number on it, maybe 200, 240,000 questions for you today. Okay, we'll so, cover them all. We'll get them all done. Yeah, yeah. So, we don't hour. need to take more than 10 minutes on each one, so we can just get through all of them. We'll okay. just bang them off. This is going to be a long podcast. Is that good? That's fine with me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm game. So, no, man, this has been so much fun getting able to hang out for the last couple of days. And you're still going to be here for another day. We're going to do some astronomy together. Going to Wavelength tonight to check out a Science Brewery. That sounds like just the best combination ever, science and beer. Yeah. Well, even, even right now, you know, in true Space Junk Podcast fashion, we are sipping on Ardbeg Scotch with Cat Machen. <laughs> Podcasts and scotch just go so well together. Hey, well, cheers, man. Thought? Cheers. I know. They really do. So, and that's that's Ardbeg. That's the smoky stuff. This is good. I'm learning how to describe subtle notes, hints of smokiness in, uh, in whiskey. Yeah, yeah. In scotch. And uh, yeah, I'm not really a connoisseur, but I feel like when I come home, I might be. Yeah, it's subtle. So, Ardbeg is subtle, especially, I don't even know how to say this, Oogadale. It's, um, it's subtle in the way like a kick in the forehead would be subtle, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm experiencing that right now. When you I just took one. When your insides are, are on fire, but you love it, it's that kind of subtle. That's how I describe it. Right. I feel the fire. <laughs> right. So, man, we, uh, we're getting to do everything astronomy today and we've had just so much fun talking to Kat and then Travis stopped by Travis Burke and I feel like we are having the craziest conversations in a single day, but I want to continue that here 
Because I wish that the last two days had been recorded. I feel like all we've been talking is philosophy for two days now. But it's um, I love your philosophy, man. I love why you're doing this and what you're about. And it comes through on your channel. I think you do such a good job of that. Because there's no question when you're watching your channel what it is you're doing and why it is you're doing it. And it's 100% to help people. Right. Um, you want to talk about that for a second? Like what got you started doing that? Yeah. So the, the helping people and the sharing uh, is the most important aspect of the channel. So I'm glad that comes through and people are recognizing that. The reason why I was so motivated to do it was basically because it was so fascinating to me and I didn't know a lot of other people doing it. So I thought it was really interesting and I kind of put it out there to see if, if others found it interesting and they did. And uh, it's really amazing what's actually happening when you do, even if it's just visual astronomy in the backyard or with the astrophotography and a camera and a telescope. It is so unbelievable. And some of the emotions that are drawn up in the middle of those moments to be able to share those with uh, people I've never met around the world and for them to react and say like, oh my God, I get it. That's the the most rewarding thing. And I, I try to do that in every video if possible. How do, how do you see the people typically respond? You know, I, um, I see, you know, from, from my perspective, I don't go through all the comments, but I generally see people seem to be very appreciative of what you're doing. Is that most of the response you get? Yeah. Yeah. And most of the response I get definitely is so positive And so, uh, I mean, the effect it has on people still blows me away. I've got some emails from people um, saying how, you know, they found my channel. It was just what they needed. Uh, they were looking for in their life. Something was missing and it kind of opened up this new door for them. And uh, I inspired them to, you know, fall in love with the night sky. And uh, I'm so happy because, uh, you know, when you're doing something amazing and you love it, you want to share it. And it's a it's a privilege to get to share it with people. So YouTube gave me that platform to share it with the world. And uh, it's it's just yeah, it's been so great. And you share it with a lot of people. Some of your videos have upwards of a million views, like 700,000 views plus, right? Yeah, you never know which video is going to take off. Um, but yeah, you're, you're basically you're sharing your your life with with the world along with it. And people, you know, make a connection with you through that. And they you know, feel like they know you a little bit. So they follow your journey. And as the channel grows, they get to see me have more experiences like coming here, talking with you and everything. And they're kind of along for the ride, which is my favorite thing about YouTube and, and the people that I follow. I'm just kind of rooting for them because I feel like I know them as a person. So that, that part's really cool about it. Yeah. So you get a lot of support then from the people that are on your channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Overwhelming support. Yeah, absolutely. Do you get any of the negativity? I've seen a few comments. It's like they just kind of imply that you're doing it for the money, which is the funniest thing. To <laughs> Probably the worst way to make money in the world to pretend to be an astrophotographer, create 150 videos, pretending you love it. Oh. No, it's funny that, uh, yeah, people do say that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, it's just it is funny now and I'm able to look at it and laugh or just ignore it altogether. But yeah, it's I mean, it's an online world. So people can hide because it's anonymous in those comments and they're just angry sometimes. Well, just the amount <laughs> like you have to be a masochist to be, you know, an astrophotographer in general, you know, for, for a lot of it. And um, the amount of pain you would have to put yourself through to fake this. <laughs> Why would anyone ever do that is the question, right? You do it well. It's like, believe it or not, no, I actually, this is what I'm, this is real. Yeah, yeah. I'm really taking these photos. Um, so has it, you know, sometimes you hear that, you know, if you work 
with your passion, if you make your passion your career, that you lose passion for what it was you got started in the first place. Has that happened? It has not happened. Um, I Yeah, that is a common belief that that can happen where it's like, oh, you want to separate your, your work life from your hobby because then all of a sudden your hobby loses its luster because you look at it in a different light. That has not been the case for me at all. Like, I mean, the fact that it's my job and, and what I do and I get to do it all the time, that's such a, you know, liberating feeling. It's a freedom. Like, why would I want to do anything else for a living other than what I love. So it definitely hasn't tarnished the the fun of the hobby at all. If anything, it's it's made it even more meaningful. Like, so if I'm out for a night of imaging, talk about pressure. If I've built up this whole story to capture this picture of the Andromeda galaxy, and I know I'm sharing it with thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of people, that's a huge motivator for me to get that picture. So it adds these new layer of challenges to it, which is so fun. Yeah, it feels like, you know, I hadn't considered the pressure that would be on that. But at this point, people know you're going to have another video. So they're looking for it. They're waiting for it. They know it will be coming out and you owe them that, right? Like, you know, that's what you're delivering. So I would imagine every time you even have to start the creative process, the blank sheet in front of you, it's like you're, you have to start that with the pressure of everything you've already done and the developed following. In the beginning, you can do anything. It's all an experiment, right? It's like, will this work? This, this won't work. I mean, there's a few people watching. We'll see what they like. Now it's at the stage where people have these expectations for the quality of the content, uh, what I'm going to teach them in the episode. So I'm trying to live up to that and I have to keep outdoing myself as the video go on for the people to stay satisfied. And again, it's that's a good pressure to have. One of the things, and it's no secret where I'm at with with everything, you know, I, I, I love simplifying and trying to find people who can simplify astrophotography for everyone. I want it to be accessible to everyone. I want to see my neighbor who's 12 years old take better photos than I do. You know, like I really do. I feel like that would be success. And um, you do a really good job of that. I mean, you you go to through so much, like knowing both sides of it, right? Because here we see the most complex sides of astrophotography and astronomy. We, we set up, you know, systems for NASA and JPL and, and it's very, very complex stuff. And then we see the other side, which is people just trying to take their first photo and they don't even care if it's just holding up a phone to an eyepiece. I feel like you're somewhere in that middle, but you're communicating the top end, you're communicating the difficulties like it's that first iPhone photo to where people feel empowered to go out there and hook up a DSLR to a telescope, you know, instead of just, I feel like kind of preceded what you're doing is a lot of conversation about you're never going to be able to get the photo. It's too challenging. You're, you're going to have to learn guiding. If your polar alignment's off by this much, you're never going to get it. You know, it's the exact opposite of that. And you seem to take so much care in your work to provide that along with uh, an experience in watching your videos that has attention to detail, like even down to the music and like the timing of that music. You want to kind of dig into that? The the way I think about it, that's that's helped me talk to that early beginner who's scared. There's this major mountain to climb learning astrophotography. It's so daunting, so intimidating. They, they want to do it, but they don't know how to get started. I was there myself. I remember exactly how I felt. And when I reached out for help, the, you know, the people that did help me and, and a lot that didn't. So in a way I talk to my younger self. I'm able to, you know, tap back into that. How did I feel in this moment? And I just talk to myself, say like, what did I need to hear at that time? Uh, you know, reassurance and just those 
things that, you know, it's easy in a complex hobby to get to a certain level and kind of forget about what it was like to be a beginner. But I always keep that top of mind. So like when I'm explaining something new, I want to make it so that someone hearing it for the first time can understand it. Uh, and I think that's that's really been helpful for the, for the people starting out. But that's a challenge, right? It I mean, is challenging. It's not, it's not that this stuff's not complex. It's trying to navigate that complexity in a way that is empowering for people, you know, because you can't lie to people and say like, hey, there's no challenge here. It's the challenge that draws people to it. That's why people in astronomy that meet instantly get along. That's why this is such a tight community because everybody embraces that challenge. It's why we're here. If it were easy, none of us would be here. You know, we want that challenge and that Mm -hmm. stimulation. But how do you sell the challenge and also sell empowerment that you can do this. You don't have to always just like have an eyepiece and and do that. Like you can embrace this and and have the shareable experience as well. Yes. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a scary thing to approach. Yeah. Yeah. I I try to show that the, the real goal is the journey and the process of capturing the image because it's easy for someone to think that the goal is the image itself. It's the best picture I could possibly take. And it is, but really it's the, the, the bumps along the way and, and the moments you experience through that process that I really personally fell in love with. And it's easy to show that stuff because it happens naturally, right? You just have to keep the camera rolling and you'll catch those moments too. So I feel like some people aren't willing to to admit how just how many mistakes we make. Uh, but I've realized that the more I share and, and sometimes I, you know, I, I think, oh, should I include this or not? But then it's always a good idea because people say like, oh, that happened to me too, right? Like it's so refreshing to hear that you were in the same boat I was. And uh, yeah, just being open about the whole process. What do you typically recommend to people once you once you've convinced people that like, hey, this is something that you can enjoy, you can do yourself, you can do from your backyard, right? What do you typically recommend as the starting point for people? Uh, gear wise, yeah, yeah. I I always fall back on a DSLR camera because they're just so. First of all, they're affordable. You can get them you can you, people have access to them as opposed to dedicated astronomy cameras it's a bit overwhelming at first but a DSLR camera on a small star tracker that opens up the doors to long exposure images taking 60 seconds or a minute and a half on a star tracker that's always the road i mentioned to to take early on even with the camera lens right that's fine just get your feet wet start taking these long exposure images that are well tracked that actually have deep sky objects in them i think that's a game changer when people realize that they can do that then you can level up to the more robust mounts and the telescope and the longer focal lengths. But just mastering polar alignment and the basics of, of a star tracker is so important. Yeah. And even with a camera lens, I mean, you talk about so like a dedicated astronomy camera and a DSLR. When you say DSLR, most people, if they don't have a Canon or a Nikon or even like the new mirrorless Sonys or Fujifilm, they know someone that does. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you it's you like know. a household item almost. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody has one. And even if you don't, you pick up a used one for a couple hundred bucks. And so I agree with you because what's the real difference outside? So a DSLR and a color astronomy camera, the difference is going to be cooling, Mm -hmm. right? But when you're doing short exposures, even that isn't absolutely necessary. People take phenomenal images with the DSLR. That's right. Yeah. So noise and that image quality is something you can gradually improve on, but it's getting the basics down, getting your focus and get getting a sharp image. Uh, those things, which filter to use, which uh, you know target are you going to shoot? That's a good fit for your sensor size. All those basic things that then you can improve on the actual quality of the data you're getting. But without that base, I just think you're 
you're setting yourself up for some frustrations if you just dive in headfirst with all this, uh, you know, advanced gear. That's I would never recommend that. You got to start slow. And and you develop your own like way to season to taste the the images. You know, like our images even are very different. You know, you have what come off as very like professional, very realistic images, and mine look like they're sponsored by Crayola, and like a glitter bomb went off on them. You know, I, I love that you said that though because no one tells you what your image is supposed to look like, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the way you love your images. Very vibrant, dramatic images. And that's very clear looking at your Instagram profile, that that's what you want. And who's to say you're doing it wrong, right? However you want to capture, however you want to tell the story and reveal the object that you've been, that you're focusing on, yeah, that's up to you. So uh, there's there's no hard rule for the way to process an image and present an image that you've captured. Yeah, it's, um, it's like... Uh it's like nature, nature photography, right? I mean, there is a drama to nature and you can capture those things. But, you know, there's there's also this very like peaceful and serenity and, and like or serene side to it. And it's like a lot of people capture the more realistic side. They go out and they take these landscape images that are true to color and all of that. Then you have people like me that are going to crank the saturation slider until it literally breaks. And you know? proudly, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, like I break the edge of my computer off cranking say, that saturation. Off the screen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's why this computer in front of us has no right side. See, the difference between <laughs> the difference between you and someone that doesn't realize that, oh, perhaps this is a little oversaturated. No, you're intentionally, you want those colors, right? It's not a mistake, right? Oh, yeah. It's you get to steer the image in the direction you want. But that's the beauty of it. I mean, once you start manipulating the image, it becomes artwork. And that's the beauty of any artistic expression is that, you know, you make it your own. It's not it's not the camera doing your job, even down to your equipment selection. You are making this your own because you're going into it with a vision. And that's part of the process of capturing your image. It doesn't start when you hit, you know, uh, shutter. Like it starts when you start selecting your image and you're planning for your shot. You know, it's like, am I going wide field? Am I going planetary? Am I just going to do lunar or solar? Or, you know, do I want this well-rounded, like the Edge HDs that are super versatile and can kind of shoot everything? Mm -hmm. it's like, it starts there and you're selecting your camera equipment. And that's what I love is that, uh, like you tell people, start with the camera lens that you already have because a camera lens and a telescope are only different in that they're generally pointed at different targets. But other than that, they do the same job, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and telescopes are just big camera lenses. They really are. I think so. Yeah, I'm a big refractor guy and they're so close to just being a super telephoto lens. Yeah. And that's the way I like to think about it. They even look like it. They just have a different focuser. Why is um, why is it that you're a refractor guy? Uh, it's probably because, uh, so I started out, my first imaging scope was a mirrored telescope. It was, uh, a Newtonian and it, it, I just had so many problems collimating it and all these issues early on. I know people that are great at tinkering and fine tuning these mirrored telescopes to just get unbelievable results, but I switched to a compact 80 millimeter refractor and explore scientific. It was a triplet. And I just remember the first image that came through, the stars were so sharp. The contrast was so strong and it was such a sharp image. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is what I'm looking for. It also helps that I like a wider field than most people like. So, they excel at that wide field astrophotography. There's so many things to like about it. They're, they're more practical for traveling and keeping weight down. They, they've got a lot of benefits. They're also the most expensive per aperture of any type. So I get why people have their favorites, but yeah. So you're just a telescope snob is all I heard. Yeah. Okay. You caught that. It's eh? all because it's the most expensive. That's, that's why.
Yeah, I like to do things like that just to kind of throw my weight around. Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, so the first time I came, I had this question. I didn't realize that there was, cause like there are refractor people, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I mean, I say that I have a, a plane wave that I take the majority of my Instagram image with because it's remote and because I can just set it to run and then, you know, go to sleep and that data is always there. So it's, and plus it's just fun to share things at 3000 millimeters of focal length. Yes. You know? But the telescopes that I keep that are like near and dear to my heart are these refractors, generally small refractors. And the first time I encountered this was with one of my neighbors in Tennessee. He was um, this astrophotographer I looked up to and is probably responsible for me being as dedicated to it as I am. But he uh, he was choosing his telescopes and he only ever looked at refractors. And he told me, he's like, I'm a refractor guy. And I started laughing. I'm like, what does that even mean? So who cares if it's a mirror or a lens? It does the same thing. And he's like, no, there's like, this isn't a practical decision. This is an emotional decision, just like anything. Why isn't there only one type of car out there? Because you have a connection to the things you choose to have in your life. The, these are tools that we use to, to complete a job and the experience that you enjoy most. That could be a good enough reason alone to be a refractor guy. You know what? You like focusing a refractor more than you do another type of telescope or you just like the experience of just the way it handles like that's a good enough reason to stick with a particular uh, piece of gear it's just it provides the imaging experience that you, that you want and it looks it looks like a telescope yes you know, that, when people have that vision of a telescope in their mind they're not thinking like Newtonian. They're, they're thinking of that brass one right there yeah. with the wooden <laughs> tripod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that's part of it too, is that there's something cool about grabbing what is a telescope and going with it, you know? For and sure. Even though it's not going to be as fast as something that, you know, like a lot of the reflectors out there or as much aperture, you know, you're not going to go get a 12 inch Apo uh, refractor. No. You know, and if you, if you do email me, I would love to see it. <laughs> I would absolutely love to see that. So, um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, I feel like most of our conversations since you've been here have been really about your philosophy and your, the, you know, the business of a YouTube, you know, channel and like how much goes into it all. Can we talk about that a little bit? Like your philosophy and what, what draws you to this and the people in it and the connections that it creates? Like, like how do you feel about all that? I think a good way to describe it is uh, like we talked about earlier when I, when I first held that point and shoot camera up to, cause I did start visual. So I just, you know, bought a Dobsonian telescope, looked through the eyepiece, you know, saw Pleiades for the first time, saw Andromeda for the first time, Orion, all memorable moments, just learning the night sky in my backyard before I ever took a picture. Then I remember seeing Orion through the eyepiece, which is, you know, obviously really bright. It's one of the most gratifying visual targets you can look at in the Northern Hemisphere. And so uh, as an experiment, I just put my point and shoot camera up to the eyepiece and took a 10 second exposure because that's all that little camera can do. And I remember the image came through and I could see the, the purple glow from the core of, of Orion. And I was, when I saw that, I was absolutely hooked. I'm like, oh my God, I, I'd had the, when I saw amazing things through a telescope, I wanted to go run and tell someone what I saw and share, I, you know, call them outside to see it too. So photography is the ultimate way to share the experience and what you're looking at. And then eventually it just became a camera or nothing, right? Just taking pictures, you get to, you know, go through all those same emotions, but also share the experience with others. And I think that the sharing was a big part of, of why astrophotography became a big part of my life and why I continue to share it on YouTube now. And it, it had to be a big leap then. I mean, you decided to make your life 
sharing you know photography specifically astrophotography that's a uh, everybody we bring in you know Kat Machen Travis Burke everybody every friend I feel like I have including most of the people in this building all have that story where there's a moment where they decide yeah this is my life mm-hmm. this is what I'm gonna, I'm going to share this with people this is my life I mean how did you make that jump that's such a scary jump for everyone um, a big, well, I knew I've always felt so confident when I, like I, I, t- I spoke about earlier in the, in the office saying that I remember making this decision saying that this is, this is what I'm going to do. This is my life now doing things like this, imaging, sharing space with others. Like I'm committed to that. I can comfortably tell myself that I'm going to do this forever. So the, the business side of it, the Astro Backyard YouTube channel and the website and everything that all f- aligns with that comfortableness and that, uh, you know, willingness to share. It's so, uh, it complements that vision. Uh, and the fact that I'm now able to do it more and share more and, you know, and come to amazing places because of it, it's brought me on this crazy journey. Uh, I'm just going to keep going until, you know, I don't feel that way anymore. And I know I'll never not like, it's just going to keep on going. But you had, you had every excuse not to do that. I mean, you had a very developed and refined skill set that you were implementing in a career that was going to provide you security and was. You had to, you had to leave that behind. How did you make that jump? The, so the leap of faith, uh, everybody who's done something kind of out there and, and, and to, to a certain extent worthwhile had to make that leap. And that's why it's special because uh, I was I was telling you before that the phrase that I love, you have to be willing to do what others won't. And when you do leap off on the other side are these incredible experiences and these moments and these amazing people and your your whole life opens up, honestly, when you when you do jump off and you have to have faith in that feeling and knowing that things are going to work out. And you really don't. It's the unknown. Uh, but if you have faith and you you realize that the benefits outweigh the scariness, yeah. then, you know, it, you just you you keep riding that wave. You know what, though? It sounds like a punchline, kind of like like what people say where they're like, do your best. And it like, yeah, but it, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't really tell me what to do next, you know. Um, but when you say like, you have to be willing to do what others won't, like that that is a very impactful statement. If you really let it set in that that's not a punchline, that that's something that's true, that you have to be willing to do what other people will not do to achieve this. I feel like that's that's terrifying though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's scary because then then judgment, criticism, you open yourself yeah. up to all those things. So you have to live with it, right? Yeah. Whatever decision you've made, you have to live with it. And I think when it's coming from the right place, you're very comfortable living with it. It's like, yep, this is me now. I just, I've never felt more centered than I do this. This year, like when people ask me, I meet new people, what do you do for a living? I can't wait to tell them. And that's a beautiful thing, right? I've never had that before. I tell people all the time, I wake up every single day to come here. And I like, I cannot believe this is my life. Even now, I mean, in this conversation, I I ask myself all the time, like, how did I end up here? This is, I couldn't have planned it any better. And I don't feel like I planned it at all. If anything, I feel like I took a lot of leaps of faith to get somewhere that I wasn't confident I even could, you Mm -hmm. know, and then here we are, here we are, you know, and so it's one of those things that when you say it, it resonates. I I completely understand what you're saying, but the cost, like the real challenge is that to get where you are, you not only had to on one side of it, get rid of 
the things that we hold most dear at times, which is like the security, the plan. You have a plan for your future and you see an outline to get there. Mm -hmm. You know the steps and you know if you just do this long enough, you'll get there. You have to give up all of that and you have to truly let it go because if you don't go all in, you're not making it. You have to let it go and then on top of that, you have to open yourself to vulnerability and judgment. <laughs> and that's that's could be the only factor that some people get hung up on, right? And why they don't. And then, the, you know, then all those things you feel stuck and everything. But yeah, I mean, and it gets, it can be trying sometimes with, with the criticism and judgment. So, you know, just for my channel, I'll put a video out that with something that I feel is important to tell a lot of people. And I know that it's going to get some criticism because not everybody agrees with everything. But um, you, I, I think you become not numb to it, but like it gets easy. That part gets easier because, you know, if your heart's in the right place, you're doing something that's important to you that, you know what, you can feel comfortable with making that decision. And the, and the people that do get it, they'll they'll love you for it. Right. They really appreciate that, that you're, you know, sticking to your guns. Yeah. And that's that's always been uh, something I, I really respect about you. We've talked now for a year. I mean, we missed each other at Neef last year. You know, I was trying. I felt like we kept circling the building. I'd see like you, you surrounded by people and I was surrounded by people. You should have just gotten in line. There was a lineup <laughs> for uh, people getting selfies with me. You should have just gotten in line. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. Really, look, every time that like there we'd go around. So Ian had the same thing. He was surrounded by people, you know, people with questions and you don't want to be rude at no, all. And especially it's at a Neef. These crazy are crazy place. These are astronomy people. There's no way in the world of being rude to them. Like th these conversations are great. Yeah. But yeah, we kept kind of circling. And then by the end of it, it just never even caught up. You know, you can send me a text this year. Yeah, meet, up, meet you by the uh, cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Ever since, ever since the beginning when we were talking, I just, um, I really respected the fact that you always kind of put this mission first because it's a hard thing to do, especially with a new business is to value the mission more than the means, right? Or to even let the mission become the means to really have faith that that's something real, that if you stick to what it is that brought you here and what it is that got your followers there in the first place, that you are going where you're supposed to and that you don't have to change direction to chase the next, you know, piece of income or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you have been willing to stick to those guns through the, the tough part, which is startup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that part is tough. And, and the people that have been there from the beginning, and, and there's a few names I recognize that have been through this whole ride with me. Uh, we're talking like back to 2016 and, uh, they've stuck with me. And I think that says a lot. And I'm, I feel like a huge responsibility for those guys to say like, Trevor did it his way. Right. And he never veered off and he never sold out and all this other stuff. So it's like all this, uh, you know, invisible pressure that I feel, I feel like it keeps me in check. Uh, and that's important to have too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some people, it's like, it means more to them to, to stay true to self, you know, and like just innately, like it's just, you're born with that. And it's like, right. I have to do this. Yes. You have like almost a moral obligation to yourself. That's it. Yeah. You know, and I, I certainly feel the same way. I don't think I could sell out like in that way, unless I was working in like the ice cream industry. Like I would, I would take a Ben and Jerry sponsorship today. You've thought about this before, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. yeah. This is actually for them to hear. Our sponsor today is Ben and Jerry's <laughs> ice cream, by the way. <laughs> Just but, throw that in there. But anything else, it's like it has to be mine. I'm I'm investing my life and my time in it. I'm writing a chapter of my life story right now. Am I really going to write something that I don't want to read because I can't get this time back? Yeah. I can't get it back. Am I really going to do something right now? You know, Henry David Thoreau said, um, as if you could kill time without injuring eternity, right? And I think 
it's so true. Like you have to embrace this idea that now is what you have. It is what you have. You know, like we only know that there's going to be a moment where we don't get to continue. And if we're building on that foundation, then everything we are doing becomes insanely important. Each choice becomes so valuable because it is, it is the next line. It is the next uh, sentence in your life story. Mm -hmm. And if you're really thinking of it that way, do you want to make that lazy decision? You know? No, you'll look back and be like, you know, it was a huge mistake. And I think astronomy and space makes you, reminds you of those things. It does remind you of, you know, how fragile life is on earth and, you know, our place in it, how small we are. All those emotions uh, really add to, you know, that mindset of, of realizing of how short a time we get to be here and how precious every day is. And what's important and what isn't. Uh, I think that's the best part. It's kind of sobers you up, slaps you in the face saying, you know what, like really, what do you care about and what's important to you? Yeah. I try to keep people um, around me all the time that are reminders and they are accountability to that, you know, and I'm constantly trying to remind myself of that because ego gets in the way of that. You know, it's easy, especially like, are you experiencing that now with you're having very, very rapid success? And that's usually where it sneaks in and kind of, you know, takes you off course. Yeah, I've seen its, you know, head pop up there for the ego. I, I've, I always go back to this, this phrase from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, don't let your ego get in the way of your business. And I know what he means. And I know what that phrase means now, because once you get this following, it would be easy to fall in love with the idea of, oh, the, all these people are watching or this picture got a lot of likes, but that can't be the mission, right? To get the most likes or, you know, for everyone to like every video I put out, that's not a good goal to have. So a great example for me, how I keep myself in check for that is that I don't always take the best images in the world from my backyard. Things happen, stuff comes up, I make mistakes, but I share those photos because it's an important ending to that story. It didn't work out so great. And if I had an ego, I'd say, I can't share this, can't share. Oh, look at Trevor, the, the idiot, this can't even take good pictures. I thought he's this big YouTuber, right? That picture isn't so great. So my ego is saying, don't share it because you messed up. But my mission says, yes, share that and and show the reality of of what this hobby is like, because people will feel so much better and appreciate that you have done it that way. And we talked about that, you know, you brought that up yesterday. And I think it's the most interesting point that authenticity can be at odds with ego. You would think they would be partners in every respect. And instead, sometimes being authentic, showing your mistakes, you know, doing something and saying, this is what I produced, knowing it's not your best, but it is what you produced. You have to overcome your ego to be authentic. Yeah. Isn't that funny? We're human beings. We're weird creatures, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's a constant struggle. Oh, it's painful. There's got to be some reason why deep down we want to be liked by everyone and get all this praise. But yeah, it's it's a constant fight. Yeah. Well, you see that though. I mean, success does cause that to happen. And I wondered if you'd you'd kind of struggled with that, you know, especially seeing a video go over 500,000 people. I mean, think about how much time that is of people's attention. That's a lot of attention. Yeah. And so it's like you post a video about Andromeda and the next video is like you showing your abs, right? (laughs) Now that I got your attention, check this out. Check me out. (laughs) Look at me. Uh, you know, but that's that's what it does. It changes. Yeah, I never did publish that video. Uh, yeah. It's this close. Well, yeah. we recorded it here today. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Don't put that anywhere. Yeah. yeah. That was just an office thing. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> yeah. We, um, you know, I have seen that though. You see that with, with, people that that get these rapid followings and get the attention is that the attention becomes more important than the message or the mission yeah and then you you think well was that what they were hoping for the whole time Mm -hmm. Uh, because you know it certainly wasn't for me it was just kind of a result of you know sharing it's just a symptom of like doing your job well yeah you know it's just like you've done your, your job well and so this appears yeah, if anything, it's the most uncomfortable part of what I'm doing. I, you know, to to share my life, and when I meet strangers that will tell me they know intimate details of my life because I felt it was important to to share those moments to connect with people. But it's a bit of a surreal feeling to go to places like Neef and for people mm-hmm. to you know say like, "Oh, I'm sorry about your father and stuff." Like, really, like it's you know, it's it's hard. It feels so good though too when you open yourself up like that, as scary and vulnerable as you are. Uh, you'll be surprised at how amazing people are in general. And it's a really, uh, it's a really nice feeling. You have an impact on people. You know, I don't even know if you really like see yet how deep that impact is, but even just the staff here, this staff talks telescopes all day long. We have people from NASA and JPL and people coming through this building every day. You saw how excited this staff got to just meet you today and, and talk and they know your stories. Some of the stories I'm pretty sure they know about you. You might not even know. You might not remember. I can't remember, but they, they'll uh, get me up to speed. Yeah, like Diana. Yeah. Diana. Diana knew yes. your stories, man. Yeah. Ashley, if you're watching this, Diana mentioned how good you were at setting up our tent in 2017 at the Cherry Springs Star Party. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a specific detail. <laughs> Diana is giving your wife compliments that you don't remember to give her. <laughs> So thank you, Diana. Very helpful for my marriage. But you think about it like you're giving people another avenue to enjoy something they're passionate about. That's uh, that's tremendous. And seriously, I think you're doing it in the best possible way. I love the message. I love the positivity um, in that you keep it that way. I've never seen you say something negative on anything you've done. Uh, no, I, I try to stay positive and I think that adds to the, the criticism of like, oh yeah, you know, he's just this and that. Nothing's ever wrong. It's like, no, I, I've decided that I'm going to look at the bright side of things. You think people misread that as maybe like salesy or salesmanship? Some, some t- oh, definitely. Actually, I, I had this conversation with uh, Dylan last year and, uh, I was like, do, do you ever get, cause he does some of the similar style of videos that I do where, yeah. If he's falls in love with a product and had an amazing night of imaging and just so impressed that he actually expresses that. And I've done that before and say like, well, obviously he's he's being paid to say this because he couldn't be that excited about it. But like, no, that was a real emotion. I don't care if you you buy this or that. Like I'm I'm being honest about this. And if you think my excitement is fake, then I'm sorry. Like the channel's not for you because I get excited a lot. Yeah, yeah. It is. Um, it's a hard line to walk, though, because people. Well, for one thing, they don't get to have these three-day sit-downs, you know, with every person they're going to be on YouTube. So they don't, the only way to know you is through your videos. And if your video has that excitement, you know, there are videos out there that are like that, that fake excitement of like, Hey, I need you to buy this. Cause I'm going to get paid if you do. And like, that's the only thing I care about right now. But you know what though, is like, I always feel like when I'm watching that, you can tell the difference. You, you can, can tell the difference. Yeah, you can tell when somebody's just selling you something. Travis made a great point, Travis Burke, who's he has done the podcast before. Yeah. 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 So uh, he's a really impressive guy and I, I'd love to get to know him more. But I love that he said people have their their guard is up. Their sensors to fakeness is stronger than it's ever been before. And now like anybody can tell when something's not real. Yeah. He is the champion 
of authenticity. No, I could. Yeah, I get that from him. He will not do anything that he doesn't 100% <laughs> think screams Travis Burke. Yeah. Nothing, you know, and it's I, admirable. I love that about Trav. Every time he's in town and we hang out, he's like, he tells me a new story about something like that. And he doesn't even think about it that way. No. To him, it's not something that registers as important to do. It's just who he is. There is no questioning whether he's authentic or not. Yeah. It's just the, the type of guy he is. That's how you end up on the cover of Nat Geo with the first Astro photo ever, you know. What a, you know, what an honor, right? Like, <laughs> it so- does about a, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't even bring it up. You did. Yeah. I was like, were you not going to tell me that? I know. I have to pitch. I have to do the same thing for Kat here, you know? It's SpaceX. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you should you should tell everybody you meet that when you, hi, I'm Kat. I did a I did a mural for SpaceX. I know. Kat will tell Open people, with that. We meet people. You know, we traveled together. We had to go do like talks in, uh, where were we, Michigan or Pennsylvania? And, um, you know, we had to do these talks and Kat's getting introduced to all these people that are astro love. So they want to share in the enthusiasm. It's not like they don't care and you're not taking their time. They're asking. And Kat would be like, yeah, you know, like I do some space paintings. I'm like, that's that's your story, Kat? You do space paintings? You're painting for SpaceX. You know, if you walk into SpaceX, the first thing you're going to see is a Kat Machen painting for the CEO. Or for the COO, Gwen Shotwell commissioned your work. And what you're saying is, yeah, you know, I, I tinker. That's kind of badass, though, too, to, to say it like that. And then they look you up. Oh, my God. You're like, just for you to be so humble about it. I love yeah. you. I'm- and we went to we went to uh, we were in Arizona right before, right after that. I don't even remember anymore. And um, the hotel, I walked in and they were like, oh, well, Kat Machen's here as well, right? I'm like. Yeah, yeah, she's she's got another room over on the other side or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, we have like a bunch of gifts for her. <laughs> like, what? We're in Arizona. She's from Australia. How do you know this? Yeah. But yeah, it's got fans everywhere. But it's just like, yeah, you know, I painted something once or twice, you know. Yeah. But I, I feel like that is that is something that's a sign of people that truly believe in their mission more than just the means, right? Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of these things I'm really glad is happening. It's I love where astronomy is more than I love where astronomy has come from. And I think uh, where it's going is what I'm excited about, not where it's been. I think that astronomy is the most important science for humanity for a lot of reasons. I think it transcends prejudice and, and all of the, the human problems. It brings out the best in humanity. Truly, it does. totally agree. There's no division, right? It unites. It doesn't divide. But in when I say this, I hope it's not. I hope it's not misunderstood. What I'm saying is that I think for astrophotography, there has been this idea that if you've had to work so hard and you had to sit outside and do the visual guiding with a crosshair, you know, to try to keep the star in line on film cameras, that it shouldn't be simple for people now because it wasn't simple for you. And I really disagree with that wholeheartedly. You know, I really want to simplify it because it's not just about the process. It's also about the exploration and the, the element of the humanity that, that is in us that like we want to get out and explore. And we can't do that if we're keeping people, if we make it exclusive. 
Yeah. You know, and um, I know that you talk about this, but that's something you seem to be passionate about as well is just opening the door instead of closing it in people's face. So a great example. And one of your team brought it up in the meeting was the uh, so phones having an astrophotography mode now making it right. The the Google Pixel 4 has an astrophotography mode, which is like giving, you know, just a regular Joe. First of all, introducing them to the term astrophotography as a household name, which means nothing before then to people. No. And it's well, it sounds really cool. Oh, what's that? Right. So not only does it it spreads our our little niche hobby out to a wider audience, but also it makes it very approachable for them so they can get their feet wet and take that little Milky Way shot, whether it was a 10 second exposure that just blows them away. And then the rest is history if they catch the bug the way we did, too. And I love that. Whereas you could say on the other side of the coin, those guys that had to work for it so hard. I wonder if that just kills them that it's so easy now. Right. But it's a good thing. It's like, wouldn't for something that you love, don't you want everyone around you to do it and understand why you love it so much? I think there's more of that than there is like, you know, jealousy of, oh, it's so easy for you. Right. Yeah. And, and it's just such an intelligent community. I feel like everyone we meet is so intelligent, you know? And so it's one of those things where you want that to like be something where you can just bring in all of these people and have a discussion that is driving everything forward instead of having a few people, you know, throw a wrench in the gear and block it off and just say, because the, it, what it does is it, it segregates the community entirely. Mm -hmm. And what we should do is celebrate the fact that there are so many different aspects to this, that everyone can enjoy it. Everyone. I mean, it is a celebration of creativity on the artistic side. It is stopping time on the photography side. It is going back in time on the astronomy side. Have you ever met anyone that wasn't mildly interested about something about space? I've never met anyone that doesn't find Saturn amazing, right? Like it's just universal. I've made a friend recently uh, with a guy named Adam and um, I was just having a, a talk with him about astronomy. And I told him, I think there are very few universal languages out there. I think that humor is one of them. I think that music is another. Like in any culture in the world, people understand humor. Like people laugh no matter where you go in the world and people will start tapping their foot no matter where you are in the world if you start playing some kind of rhythm or music. You know, the other one is astronomy. Everywhere in the world you go, if people walk outside, it doesn't matter if it's in LA or it doesn't matter, you know, where where it is in Africa, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They walk outside and it's dark and it's clear. They're looking up and they're just like, whoa, yeah. this is hitting me. There's, there's like something in me that connects with this. Absolutely. And I don't even think it's generational. I don't think there's probably ever been a generation that didn't experience that. And if you look back, you know, space has been such a part of human history. I mean, everything from look at look at Shakespeare. I mean, he didn't write a damn thing that didn't have something about the moon. That's the same moon that we go out and see. And oh, see now. I know. Yes. The, the, you know, through long periods of history, we're looking at that same sky, right? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the pyramids and the placement and the, all the, the, they used to just obsess over the night sky in ancient history and just study it. And it's the same sky worth looking at and they're getting the same, uh, emotions and feelings looking in the same wonder. What, what else can do that? Right. So do you think that we are reincarnated ancient Egyptians? I, I knew you were going to ask this. Yeah. Yeah. You knew that was coming. <laughs> And we talked, we talked about this for six and a half hours last night. We don't have time to cover it here. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I like Orion, but not that much. No. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get this guy started about the Sphinx. You just go on and on and on. 
Oh, man. Um, yeah. So, I'm good at derailing podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Is that what happened? That's the reason we brought Tony on, man. <laughs> Bring everything back. Tony's traveling Tony, today. Tony, if you're the- listening, we need you, bud. <laughs> it's the best at shutting me down and just being like, no. Pulling in. Yeah. <laughs> we are moving forward, Dustin. Um, so, anyway. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, Where do we go from here? Let's talk about what's next. Because you have, to this point, done a lot. I'd like to know, what does Astro Backyard 2.0 look like? What, what's coming next? So I, I have like very specific goals, uh, such as this year, I want to hit 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. The whole like the gamification of the, the analytics and the views of the videos, like I'm not going to lie, I really love that. It's so fun to see a video do really well. Mm-hmm. I want to keep doing more of that because I know at the end of the day, it means that I'll reach more people and more opportunities come up. So Astro Backyard 2.0 involves st- more stuff like this because really this is still new to me like coming here just to to meet you guys and yeah. this is an astronomy trip like Ashley's telling her friends oh Trevor's going to San Diego for work I'm like I love that I yeah. want to I want to do a lot more that way um in a lot of ways, I'm also hanging on along for the ride. I'm just going to keep following that North Star of doing what got me here and see how far I can take it. Uh, but then also, I'm an, I'm an astrophotographer myself, and I want to keep bettering my skills, showing people the progress that I've made, helping others. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's a little bit reactionary, but also I, I like the direction that it's headed to. There's, But there's no specific like, okay, I want to do this. Not, not yet anyway. I'm still kind of you know navigating as I go along. It's wild to think this is work right now. Does not feel like work. Isn't that no, crazy? I mean, yeah. They, I mean, we're, we're drinking, drinking scotch. <laughs> so it, if this is work, you know, I'm in. Yeah. It's not a bad job choice. No. Could be yeah. worse, eh? Yeah. Yeah. That is a good thing. That's a cool story because, yeah, there, there has to be that moment where you hear your wife say, you're doing this for work and it had never crossed your mind. That that's work. That never would have happened if, you know, in other career paths. This is taking me on a journey and uh, I'm going to keep going until and see where else it takes me. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's a fun thing. You almost get to just experience the ride. I feel like, especially in this industry, because everyone you meet is amazing. And uh, there's there's just so much opportunity to bring. The, I mean, it's still relatively young. I mean, it's only we were, we were just talking about this, but what? In Mount at Mount Wilson, less than a hundred years ago, they found the first. Yes. they found Andromeda, realizing that you know there are only three or four generations of human history at all that knew there was more than one galaxy out there. Yeah, and that we weren't all everything in the universe wasn't just the Milky Way. Yeah, you know, and it's like this. If you talk about just a handful of generations in all of human history, like this is a baby. It's an infant. I know. It's it's astronomy is always evolving. We're learning more. There's endless things to explore and different uh, topics to to niche down on. It just has it's an endless way of, you know, constant education and learning. Um, it's just uh, it's the perfect hobby for someone that just keeps wanting more and more and more without ever seeing an end. Right. It's just endless. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by definition, right, the end becomes impossible to find. I mean, you can't, you know, especially in such a, a short human lifespan, you go outside every night, you'll never, you never have to see, do the same thing twice. That's the, the saddest part about it all is that we only have, you know, what, 80, 90 years to explore it. And then, you know, like, so I'm going to get my fill while I'm here. Uh, maybe you, man. I eat pretty clean. Yeah. I'm thinking like <laughs> my 20s are going to, they chopped off a good 10 years at least. 
<laughs> yeah. still going back. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it really is. But I don't think that I have found anything that feels more rewarding than sharing the hobby of astronomy. No. You know, and it, it feels weird to call it a hobby too. Is that like a lifestyle? Yeah, exactly. It feels like it's so much like a hobby to me, me feels like collecting something or like crafts. Yeah, crafts. Yeah. Right. Which I've never done because outside of like photography, I wouldn't say there's anything artistic really that I'm like doing. I, I guess. No wonder you boost the saturation so high. If you're going to get artistic, you're going to get really yeah, artistic. I've got one chance at artistic. You're expressing <laughs> yourself on that canvas, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so I've got to really get it right then. But um, no, I feel like sharing that it becomes a lifestyle. It does. And and embracing that really talking about with people like yourself or, or really anyone. If you go to a star party, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, half the conversation or probably a quarter of the conversation is going to be gear talk, which I also I, I'm a gear junkie. I love the gear discussions. Love it. Absolutely. And uh, actually, I'm going to try to bring more and more of that into the podcast because I feel like I like listening. I'll listen to gear podcasts about photography while I'm driving. Oh, I'm, I'm nuts for it too. New new cameras, YouTube yep. videos, so a new camera comes out. I'm watching every review, yeah. every spec. I want to see it. Like I get jacked yeah. about it. Me yeah, too. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And so even though it kind of isolates, you know, into just the people that are really like gear focused like that. I feel like I love that stuff, man. That's I do. Astrophotography's got it all, man. You got the astronomy, the space, the wonder, the gear, the tech, the photography, the artistic. It's got everything, man. I um, I don't know. I couldn't be happier, man. Sometimes we sit here and have these conversations. And I'm like, how? How is this what I do? I love it. Um, so anyway, you are going to Neef in a couple of weeks. Can, can people- Is that a couple of weeks? Yeah, it's early April. That's right. Oh, my goodness. So you're going to be there. I'll be there as well. Um, is it the kind of thing where people that are listening now, because this will be posted before Neve, okay? Is it the kind of thing where people that are going, are you going to have time to just kind of hang out and, you know, talk and meet everyone or is it, do you get bogged down? Yeah, no, I would like to. That's one of my favorite things now about going is to meet people face to face because it's kind of, a, you know, a collection of all us nerds. And uh, this year, actually, my wife Ashley is coming with me. We're going to go to New York for two days and then uh, to Neef after. And part of the reason I wanted to bring her so she can believe me that people actually know who I am and want selfies <laughs> with me because she's like, oh, yeah, sure. Big shot, right? Yeah. I'm like, no, you'll see. You'll yeah, see. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that, that's that's like the main reason I go is to meet these people face to face. And they're so friendly and they, they you know, I take pictures and stuff. And there's a lot going on at Neef, right? There's there's too much to do in two days. That's for sure. But if you're a gearhead, that's probably where you want to be. Everybody's there. Everybody's there. Yeah, it's it's fun. I think I'm only going to get to be there this year for maybe four hours at Neve. Come on. Yeah, no, it's going to be a real, like at the actual event itself. I'll be in New York for almost a week, but we have a documentary being shot and we have to dive out and go uh, finish that. We're going to be shooting in Central Park and we're going to be shooting in Times Square again. So... So cool. I'm going to not get arrested. That's a good reason to, to miss Neve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What? Why Why did you say it like that? Did you, you did get arrested before? Or? Uh, no, it I didn't get arrested. Like I, got, I got scolded and... By the police. Uh, by the counterterrorism unit, actually, in... 
uh, Times Square. Those tattoos, man, get you in trouble, <laughs> eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it must have been the tattoos. I They don't like tripods in Times Square. And it sounds weird, but this is true. They don't like tripods in Times Square because it's just so much movement of people yes, that they feel like it's very dangerous. But then they saw the telescope and they're like, that's substantial. What is that? Who are you spying on? What's going on? And, um, you know, I didn't set up like I didn't set up one. I set up a bunch of telescopes in Times Square and I was just trying to show people space, man. And so I you knew they to would do. say no if I asked, so I didn't ask. We did it, but then they liked it. And they invited us back. Of course they did. So they invited us back. The next year we set up again and tried to, you know, do like images and the whole thing, set up visual. Um, But this year we're going to do it again and with permission. So no issues. Very cool. Yeah. We weren't spying on anybody either, but it was weird. But yeah, it was probably the tattoos. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I got got a lot of tattoos, but I left my whole neck and throat open for an Astro Backyard tattoo. You're going to, oh, I get the throat tattoo. Yeah, that's throater. like the most, yeah, that's where you put the billboard. So, <laughs> no, I was, uh, I was definitely lying about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Maybe oh. next time. Yeah. No. But, it, okay. So you obviously have to plan that out. I mean, there's a lot of obstructions in Times Square. You can, you basically have straight up, right? It sucks. Yeah. So, it's, it's really hard. Do you, do you plan, pre plan out? It's like, okay, what targets are going to be available to us with this New York City skyline around us at this time? You know, what's, what's bad is it isn't even finding a target. It's fine. It's polar alignment. Yeah, yeah. Because the buildings are in the worst possible orientation with where they'll let you set up for polar alignment. I mean, Polaris is halfway down a mm-hmm. skyscraper and you're not finding it. So you do your best to guess and then, you know, there are ways around it. Like if we use a, a bisque mount, like a mighty mount, then we don't need to see Polaris. We can we can do it with other means. But even then you have such a narrow sliver of sky because you are surrounded by skyscrapers. And so it's really a challenge. But I mean, we were just talking about that challenge is the point, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the fun part. And then we use the triad ultra filter. And so the light pollution really is a non-issue. It's not the light pollution that's the problem. It's Polaris, mm-hmm. you know, but we're just going to make it work again. And Central Park's exciting because that you can do phenomenal imaging from New York. If you have, you know, a polar alignment and everything, you can cut right through the lights. No problem. I'm amazed at some of the images I see on Instagram from the guys in Manhattan. Yeah. Some of the big names, they, they're, they're, it, like it's so inspiring, right? It's like, what excuse do you have? You can never say that, you know, it's too bright or too much light pollution. That's Manhattan. That's yeah. the worst. Yeah. If you're shooting from Times Square, your backyard is not too bright unless you have the craziest setup of all time. <laughs> you know? In Times Square, you can see the moon and Venus and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. We have uh, one of our affiliates down in Florida was telling me, he's like, man, I mean, I think he's in Jacksonville, but he was like, you know, down here, he's like, dude, I can barely see the full moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. That's bright. I tell you, I can barely see the full moon. It's so bright here, man. I can't see daytime. It's off the normal you know? scale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what night is. <laughs> it's day or night day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, look, we've got to, we've got to get up to um, to Waveling to go see the next thing, and we've been doing this. It's already been an hour. No, it hasn't. it's already been an hour, man. It feels like ten minutes. It always does. Yeah, ten minutes on Space Junk equals one hour. So love it. Had yeah. a great time. So happy to do this. Hey, so glad you're here. Really, really glad you got to meet everybody. Cat, Travis, Ginny, you know, and all the staff. They're super excited to have you here. So are we. And um, it's going to be. It's already been a blast. But um, you know, I'm looking forward to doing more together and just having fun. 
Absolutely. I'd love to come back uh, as soon as I possibly can. Before we end this real quick, if people want to follow you, what's the best way to do it? The best way to do it is just to Google Astro Backyard, all one word. And whether you want to follow the, the website or the YouTube channel or Instagram, it's all at Astro Backyard. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And um, until next time, and we'll have you back on here soon, though. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Space Junk is produced by Deep Astronomy and sponsored by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California. Please visit our website at spacejunkpodcast.com. Also, please send any questions and comments or ideas for new episodes to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com.